How does that feel? How does that sound into phase three of the National Hockey League's return to play? Training camps are open. In Goal Radio, the podcast continues. We didn't miss a beat, and we're back with uh, even more. Darren Millard with you, along with the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. Today, we are going to bring our feature interview, which was uh, originally conducted a couple of weeks ago on the Western Hockey League, Hockey Canada, presented by Ingoal Magazine, Goalie Symposium with goalie coaches from around the Western Hockey League. Uh, plenty of special guests, uh, part of that symposium over uh, two days. But our feature interview involves the one and only WHL graduate and uh, current Philadelphia Flyer goaltender, Carter Hart. And uh, it's a great walk through uh, his preparation, his philosophies, and uh, just uh, how he approaches the game. It's uh, really insightful. Carter was uh, was so gracious with his time. So looking forward to bringing you that. Uh, the Ingle Premium members, uh, who, if you have access, you may have already heard this conversation, but I uh, wanted to make sure we brought it to the masses, uh, part of the relationship with Western Hockey League and Hockey Canada. But uh, yes. And seen this conversation too. Yes. Then. When you hold up your hand like that, I immediately get the impression like I screwed something up. But uh, And who conducted the interview, Darren? Uh, I did. Yeah. I got the opportunity. You guys were so nice to to let me uh, guide that uh, that discussion, and it was it was great. I I don't know Carter that well, so it was uh, it was really intriguing. I, I looked at it uh, a couple of different ways, and uh, and some of the answers were were really really cool. It was right after he got to Philadelphia before uh, he participated in Phase Two, so uh, he was looking forward to it, very energetic. Yes, and I think that you know, not only did we make sure you say that we let you, we wanted you to do it because a we wanted to have some actual professionalism involved and a pro running the ship uh, in our big presentation for Hockey Canada and the Western Hockey League, but also I've been told that I have a face for radio, so we knew it was going to be pre- presented on video, so we wanted to have the star shining brightly on there. So I thought it was great. Um, we should probably mention that in addition to Carter, Dustin Schwartz, who works with him in the summers, goaltending coach for the Edmonton Oilers, and they were on the ice before he went to Philly. Uh, he pops in there with a couple of answers as well because, of course, he was a big part of that Western Hockey League goaltending coach symposium. So uh, answers from all of them during the, during that Q&A. And I enjoyed it. I know our Ingle Premium members have enjoyed it, uh, the video of it, and I think everybody else is going to enjoy it on the podcast tonight too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really cool conversation with uh, one of the bright young stars. Uh, the answer to the Philadelphia Flyers uh, goaltending for a number of years to come. So mentioned off the top, we're into phase three. Uh, a lot of uh, discussion going on around goaltenders and uh, their ability to catch up and uh, be ready when the return to play happens in the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton. And if I put it to you guys, the over-under on the number of teams that will use two goaltenders in that first return to play, round robin and the qualifying series combined, uh, would you say it would be double digits or lower? I think it might be a little lower, but maybe the over-under should be set at at low double digits. You're right, Darren, because... Um, it's more about the schedule too. Well, I guess it's both, right? The schedule, like five and eight back-to-backs. Chicago and Edmonton finish on back-to-backs. And I know Corey Crawford's health might play a factor in this, but can you imagine if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you're playing your fifth game in eight nights and you're sitting there with Koskinen and Smith and you've got to make a decision on that? Like this could lead to some fascinating drama, but I think no matter what, it's going to lead to more more teams using both goaltenders, whether it's, scuffling performance a question mark about the other guy maybe giving you a better option on the second end of back-to-back um or you know just simply injuries or guys getting sore because of how much hockey they're going to be playing Devin Dubnik told me this morning I thought he put it really well though I don't think this is going to be a situation where you know like a lot of we like to listen to the analytics and the analytics say that starting the same guy for back-to-backs uh, you get a lesser performance you're better to start your backup as Doobie told me this morning like in, if the guy's playing well unless he's dead like he physically dies in between the two back-to-backs he's going to be back out there for the second end but in cases where maybe a guy's scuffling, maybe you get a win, but you know your guy didn't play that well, and the other guy's sitting there, and the goalie coach tells you he looks great in practice, and he's got a track record, and how many teams have two great options right now? Absolutely, I could see a bunch of that going in round one. What so do you think, Hutch? So let's come back to this one when it all happens, because I'll, I'll just for fun, I'll take the under. Um, it's, I'm taking the over. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm def. I'm going to take the under, and and I, I think, um, you know, along the lines of what Doobie said, I think they're going to. If somebody's going well, they're going to run him into the ground. 
And I think uh, hockey likes to to lean on on one guy, even if um, even if they're not sure. I think coaches are going to come back to their guy and and they're going to stick with them and live or die by them. And and this is not the same as the regular season where we're trying to preserve a guy so that he can be ready for the playoffs, so that he can survive eighty games and be fresh when things start. This is a this is a brand new start and and it's a sprint to the finish. So I think they're going to run some guys into the ground, and I'm going to take the under boys. Nobody's experienced back to back games in the playoffs. That's well, I mean, when, when there, was the last there time was that happened? One a f- there was one a few years ago, actually, because of scheduling with Florida and the New York Islanders. Florida actually had to play back-to-back games against the Islanders, and I remember it was significant because this was at a point in Roberto Luongo's career where like two years before that, that was the one thing he told me. I can't do back-to-backs anymore. It's just too hard on me physically. They rolled him out in back-to-backs. He didn't play poorly by any stretch, but I don't think it helped him either. Wow, so the, that's the anomaly. Number two is best of fives. That That's out the window. This is brand new. And round robins, unless you've been to uh, an Olympics or a World Cup, and uh, and that's for the uh, creme de la creme, uh, a lot of coaches haven't been uh, involved in, in round robins, and never mind the athletes. So there's a, there's a whole lot of newness going on in the return to play as we prepare for that. It's like going to a hockey tournament, right? They're all going to be right. on the same floor of the they're hotel. Just, they're just going back I'm to my hockey. Like, yeah, I'm picturing these 30 year old guys out on the out on the carpet playing, you know, like mini sticks on their knees in the in the hotel hallways. They don't put it past <laughs> them. They got nothing else to do in the bubble. Uh, oh, yeah, there will be true. there will be a hallway hockey game of some kind, or yeah. a putting competition, or something like that. Uh, happen in those hotels. I was thinking uh, Melville, Saskatchewan at the King Eddie or I can't remember the King George, something like that. Uh, those those days of, of, of playing mini sticks hockey in the in the hotel. You're not doing it right if the front desk doesn't tell your mom and dad that you got to get out of the hallway. Yeah, and 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 that dad who's had too many is trying to to body check uh, check the kids <laughs> and, and be be the fun fun parent uh, on the team. Uh, so that's uh, we'll keep track of that. Uh, uh, talking about it. some some gear. What do you guys think of the Robin Leonard pads? I love the Robin Leonard pads, and what an exciting time of year! It's not just that hockey's back, but everybody's having gear sightings everywhere, and uh, and it feels like September all over again as we're checking out what everybody's in and. And I know Woody's doing a bit of a roundup and we'll have an article for us over at Engel Premium soon. Yeah, we kind of caught up with a couple of the guys that have that have switched. Obviously, had an opportunity through the National Predators to sit in on a UC Soros presser, first guy in the NHL to wear the Axis gear. And uh, I've reached out and sent a couple of text messages because the Lefebvre gear is obviously one of the, the the big head turners right now in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, I, I, I will admit at the beginning, I didn't really think of it as that big a switch. I'm going to be honest, just because... For most of these guys, the Lefebvre's were building their gear. They were building their CCM gear. And so when a Carter Hart switches to the same model, you know, I I, I kind of understood and expected. Um, but I do got to get, you know, like not all the guys have switched straight over, you know, E-Flex to uh, 12.1 is their version of it. Um, we're seeing a lot of the new 20.1, which... You know, it's hard because Hutch, we we haven't got one. They, you know, have a, you know, a Pat return an email. Um, we haven't got a lot of information on the line. I know that both them and CCM, when they started Access, they both started building that pad together before they split their separate ways. So at one point, that was a similar pad. I don't know how much it's varied on the Lefebvre end. We've seen their new uh, rotation strapping on the inside uh, with the pillow underneath the calf, which which I thought was really interesting. Clearly, guys are liking it. Um, the one thing I'm not 100% on, but talking to some of the guys, it sounds like is is it's, it's much like what the old E-Flex 4 was, but only for some pros, and that is a bit more flexible boot, but stiffer from the shin up through the thigh rise. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that was actually something that a guy like Pecorine um, was wearing in the NHL. It was an E-Flex, but it wasn't an E-Flex that you and I could get. It was sort of a pro-only a model. Core. Yeah, yeah and, and David Riddich as well. And so like I saw David Riddich, for example, wore the Bauer Ultrasonics, and then he ended up in the Lefebvre's. Uh, he tried them both. And a lot of people would look at that and say, well, how do you go from an E-Flex, which we think of as a quote-unquote soft pad, to trying a Bauer Ultrasonic, which is very much not a soft pad, to a Lefebvre pad? 
And the answer would be, and we've got pictures of Rich's setup that you know show quite clearly how loose he wears it. It's not like he was wearing this super soft E-Flex strapped really tight to his leg. He was another guy that was in that soft boot but stiff from the shin up pro-only profile of E-Flex, and he wore it you know, relatively loose. So for him going to ultrasonic, which by the way, I'm told by uh, the goalie coach there, he really liked the ultrasonic pads and blocker. The glove just didn't feel enough the same. So he switched over to the Lefebvre and seems to really like the pads and, and the glove obviously would be no different because they're making the glove just like the CCM he wore. So um, I don't I do, so I don't want to be dismissive in any way, shape, or form. We've talked about it before. The Lefebvre's are master craftsmen. They're clearly turning out a lot of great gear right now, and goalies seem to be interested in it. I just maybe didn't give them enough credit for it being a true change. Um and maybe I should in terms of the 20.1 being a model. But again, with the understanding that the reason you're seeing these guys switch and, and asking, well, that's a stiff pad and he was in an E-Flex, why? Is there was a stiff E-Flex. And that's actually the core that Axis is made up of. That's sort of soft at the bottom, stiff through the shin and thigh rise. And that's what Axis is. So uh, don't know how similar 20.1 is to Axis. I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, we've talked to some pros that have, have sort of sent us some video. Um, uh, Mike, uh, and I, if I butcher his last name, he's going to kill me here. Hutch, uh, is it Uzis? Oh, I thought you were talking I'm about gonna... Smith. I'm like, that's that's easy. No, no. Oh. Mike's a loyal listener. He, we're going to he... find out if he got it or not. <laughs> yeah, Do you want to try that again, yeah, Woody? I'm going to hear. I'm gonna hear I, can't, I can't. See, I'm like the Don Cherry of this one with these names. they like, just brutal. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> and he was so generous with his time. He, and, and so he really has a lot of positive things to say about the pad. Loves it. Uh, he sees it as a, you know, not kind of in between an E-Flex and, a, and his old Premier. Don't forget, he comes from a Premier line. So a true stiff pad um, in terms of the flex at the boot. But again, without us having it, without the Lefebvre's, again, Pat returned an email, uh, letting us know what this core actually is supposed to be, it's really hard to know because, again, at the pro level, a lot of these guys are getting custom stuff that you and I can't get. So to just see it on a guy and say, well, like, like this is a totally different pad, yeah, the strapping has changed for sure, and credit. The guys seem to like this strap. Um Again, credit for the craftsmanship, credit all around. It's just hard for us to really honestly say how big a change it is, to be perfectly frank, because we haven't had one in our hands. We haven't broken it down. We haven't dissected it like we do every other pad we do a review on. Hutch, do you want to jump in on that? No, all I was going to add is is I was fortunate to meet Mike in Toronto three years ago, it is now, and I think he's an Austrian pro still. And uh, can, he, can you say his last name then after you put me on the spot? Yeah, it's Mike, and uh, Mike's a great guy. And I just wanted to give credit to Woody for his writing of the premier review, because quite seriously, Mike didn't buy his premiers until he read our review, and he purposely waited until it came out. So uh, Woody pours a ton of time into those reviews, and uh, full credit for doing so. And that's why he's, hey, he's trying to give you everything you can from the pros, but we're not going to be able to dig deep until we have a set of the gear of our own. So, Yeah, and, 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 it's, not, and it's not to discount what Mike says, right? But No. The reason we have it, because because his feedback, obviously very enthusiastic. He loves the pad. He thinks it slides great. He he told us what he showed us pictures of the flex, but until you've had it in your own hands, right next to the model that you know how it flexes, and you've done them side by side, which is what we do. Why we have a garage loaded with gear? Why we have more than a dozen testers? Like I could just wear the pads myself and tell you what I think. But frankly, who gives a crap what Kevin Woodley thinks? Uh, that's why we go out and have major junior, junior A, junior B. Bantam kids, beer leaguers, guys who like Vaughn, guys who like soft E-Flex, guys who like super stiff pads. We try and get that input from all of them so that the ones that say, hey, I wear this and this doesn't work, when we write that review, we can actually at the end of it say who it's for, what your style and preference is, and whether this is going to work for you. That's why we put the hours in. And until we get an opportunity to do that, we're kind of guessing a little bit. I thought it was interesting, and Hutch and I discussed this last week, was the fact that uh, what coaches would would believe and and how far they would dive into goaltenders changing up their gear. And Pete DeBoer was asked about uh, Robin Leonard's pads, and he says, it's like standing over somebody trying to hit the driver. You don't want to get too close and and, and get into their head. I just let them do what they think. Whatever works, uh, they do. So uh, interesting comments uh, from the head coach there. Well, like I said, if Corey Crawford can actually switch struggle in a game in new pads and switch back to his old ones between periods 
and not have anybody on the coaching staff or anybody sort of say, hey, maybe that wasn't a great idea, then I think we're at the point where these guys can just do whatever the hell they want. How'd that go again? Hey, say uh, boo. It was a really good idea. <laughs> not a good idea, Corey. <laughs> How much has that changed since we were kids, Darren? Because I remember getting a brand new set of pads, being so stoked about wearing them, and the coach who knew nothing about goaltending telling me I couldn't wear them in a game for a month because they weren't broken in yeah. enough. And I was probably 10 years old. I think the coach usually told me, uh, if I remember correctly, you're just not playing for a month. And this is a great <laughs> excuse not to play you for a month. That, that, that's usually how it went. As, as a guy who gets a lot of gear sent here and tends to show up at his beer league games wearing something new about five times a year, my guys just typically roll their eyes and go, oh, he's got an excuse built in tonight, boys. <laughs> Uh, well, the Philadelphia Flyers are uh, don't have any excuses anymore. They have a uh, great goaltending tandem. Uh, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart, uh, the veteran and the kid going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And what a season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Congratulations to Elaine Vigneault, uh, Jack Adams, a finalist this year. Uh, they are one of the four teams in the Eastern Conference that will participate in the round robin. And I think that's going to be a bit of a surprise to people when the uh, return to play occurs, saying the Philadelphia Flyers aren't in a series. They are already in the playoffs. They've had that great of a season and a lot of it on the back of this uh, young goaltender. Carter Hart, who was uh, one of our contributors to the Western Hockey League Hockey Canada Goalie Symposium presented by InGoal Magazine. Here is Carter Hart a couple of weeks ago in conversation about his philosophies, his approach to goaltending, and the excitement about the return to play. When you get on the ice tomorrow with Kim, what do you want to work on? Uh, from your perspective? Um, I think probably keep it pretty basic just to start um, just some foundational things, uh, maybe some open shots, uh, maybe a little bit of post play work. But I mean, I think for the first session here, I, I mean, last time I was on the ice with the Schwartzy last week, so um, I haven't been on the ice a ton. Like there hasn't been a lot of open back home in Edmonton until like the last Thursday, I believe the private rinks opened. So um, probably just keep it pretty basic to start. Um, don't want to get into too much right off the bat and, and, uh, yeah, probably just keep it pretty foundational. What kind of drills would you do then, uh, when you talk about keeping it basic? Um, yeah, like maybe some off the rush stuff, uh, a little bit of cut drills or cut into the middle, um, some open shooting, some stationary stuff just to kind of get my hands and my tracking going a little bit. Um, like I have, I've only skated three times with where I've had a shooter out. So um, it'll just be nice to get out into a full environment. I was actually skating on a little mini rink back home in, in Edmonton. It was a little, it was cold in the net, I believe the facility was, but they were the only rink at the time that was in the area that was allowed to open because they're considered a day camp. Um, so they opened their, I don't know how, how big they'd exactly be. I'd say they're a little bit smaller than uh, dot to dot for the width, but I'd say I'd say everyone in the rink was probably a great A to scoring chance, but mm-hmm. um, no, it'd be nice to get back out on the ice. I think in in a full size rink and and uh, put on the blades. What part of the game do you think will be hardest to shake the rust off? Um, honestly, I think I think maybe tracking a little bit. Um, I feel honestly like the my skating has been pretty good. Like when I went out for the first couple times, it took maybe a couple minutes just to kind of. Whenever you get on the ice for the first time in a long time, uh, it's kind of like riding a bike. You just get out there and you just feel the ice and you just kind of do your thing. But um, I know I had my buddy Sammy Steele coming out and shooting a couple times at that mini rink. And the first couple of shots I faced, I was like, holy, that was fast, man. Like, I don't remember it being that fast. Like, it's been a while, so... Uh, we get into some questions just dealing with, uh, with your past and your history and, uh, and your route. Um, the biggest adversity that, uh, that you faced in hockey to date? Uh, probably when I was cut from the midget AAA team uh, in Sherwood Park. So I was 15 and like, obviously I wanted to make the midget AAA team that year. And um, I got cut and played rem, uh, or minor midget AAA in Sherwood Park there. So uh that was probably the biggest disappointment i had and at the time for me i remember i was i was devastated and my whole world was crushed but um i think that was something that 
uh, not only bettered me, but uh, made me want it that much more and um, kind of really started the drive for me to get to where I wanted to go. Oh, I can't, I lost you. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? It's all right. The, the Woody muted me because my lab is barking downstairs at somebody at the door. So uh, <laughs> pardon, pardon Austin's intrusion on this, but uh, oh, what was, did you have a main focus when you were in Everett on, on what you would, uh, what you would work on year to year or did it differ year to year? Honestly, it just, everything was different every year. Um, but I think for me, like the biggest thing was I just wanted to keep getting better and better at all aspects of my game. And, uh, I know like our, our head coach there, Kevin Constantine, um, he was one of my favorite coaches I had to date. And, uh, he always had quotes of the day, like on the bulletin board, every time I walked in, one of the quotes was, um, you don't stay the same, you either get better or you get worse. And that's something that kind of stuck with me. And like, I came into Everett at 16. I didn't, it was the first time in my life that I wasn't a starter. Um, and I, I, I think maybe I had like four or five games played up until Christmas. So I wasn't playing a lot. And I remember he pulled me into his office and uh, like Casey's a pretty hard nosed guy. Like he, he won't sugarcoat things, which is what I liked about him. But um, he pulled me into his office and pretty much just tore me a new one about my work ethic and uh, my compete and practice and uh, in the gym. And um, pretty much just said that if I wanted to play more then I need to show him in practice that, um, that I'm capable of playing and that I want to play. And when I came back from Christmas, I really kind of took that to heart and ended up winning the starting job down the, down the stretch there. But, um, I mean, that was, that's a conversation that I'll never forget. Did you feel like you were working hard enough before he pulled you in? I don't think so. I mean, a lot of it too was frustration. And, um, and that was the first time in my career that I hadn't really played a lot. So, um, there was definitely, I had a lot more to give, but I think that was the first time that I had to deal with some frustration of not being able to play and having to sit on the sidelines kind of and watch from afar. And um, I think that's probably was the biggest struggle for me was just finding a way to overcome that frustration and Casey being a big part of it. But, um, and then our goalie coach there, Shane Clifford, who's been awesome for me in my time in Everett. And we're still really good friends till this day. And, um, I think, I think I was really lucky in the situation that I got put into in Everett with all the coaches and the setup we had there. The, between Clifford and, and Dustin and Kim, uh, you've had the, these different uh, impactful people in your career. Uh, can you maybe pick out one thing, uh, if you can, from each one of them that maybe uh, that sticked with you? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been started working with Shortsy when I was 13. Um, so I think, I believe that would have been the summer for second year Bantam. Um, but I think for me working with Dustin, I work with him every summer now when I go home. Uh, the one thing I really like is just how much he understands the whole game of hockey. He's, he's not just strictly, um, he doesn't view things from a goalie's perspective at all times. He, he likes to think outside the box. He views things from a shooter's perspective or even from afar. Like, I mean, some of the insights he gets and, and he, he talks about it blows my mind away um, of the different different angles and different aspects he looks at in a game. But, um, I mean, he's a guy that uh, when things are going wrong with my game or things aren't going well, he's a guy I'll call and uh, we'll have a little conversation about what's going on. And, I mean, he can pick up right away what's what's going on. And I mean, most of the time now, like we, we agree with what's going on, but there's been times where I didn't agree. And I remember the RVH, I hated the RVH and he can attest to it. I just like, screw that. I'm not trying the RVH. I don't want to do it. I was a one knee down guy. I was even actually looking at video on the plane the other day. Cause I didn't have any movies downloaded on my laptop. There was no computer screens on the, on the plane. I had all this old video um, from working with Shortsy back when I was, I think, like 15. And all my post-play was uh, one knee down. And then I had another one of the next summer, which was all, all RVH and trying to learn the RVH. And I was looking at it, look, looking how frustrated I was getting at the RVH and how much I hated it. But now it's become a huge component of my game that, I mean, I, I really rely on. And I think now is a strong part of my game is my post-play. Um, and then, yeah, with Cliffy and Everett, um, Cliffy was awesome to have around as a, as a friend and as a coach. Um, I mean, he would come out, I believe 
once a month for five days, which I mean, wasn't the best. I mean, he's, he's from Pittsburgh. So, um, he had a, he had a long commute out to Everett, but, uh, when he did come out, he, they made sure that we had time every day, whether it was a morning session or an afternoon session. Um, but Cliffy was, Cliffy's pretty, pretty strong on the skating component of things. And, um, I think he's really helped me with the skating part of my game and added some, uh, added some movement drills, uh, for me that I've learned and, and has, has helped me in that aspect of my game. And, um, and then for Dilly, um, I mean, coming into pro, like there was a bit of an adjustment for me from junior to pro. Actually, that was probably a huge adjustment, but I'm going to playing with boys to playing with men, even in the, in the minors, in the AHL, you're playing with guys that are 30 plus years old and that like, they don't have muffins, they're ripping the, the, the biscuit. So, um, no, at Dilly every summer, uh, we usually have a game plan of kind of, uh, what we want to cover. Um, if there's anything in my game, maybe that I want to change or tweak or talk about, um, like for me, a double seal has been kind of a part of my game that I've added. I actually started working on that, not last summer, but the summer prior. And I didn't really start getting into the double seal until more this year. Um, last summer, I, last season, I didn't use it a lot. I wasn't the best with it. So I didn't really rely on it a lot, but last summer I worked on it quite a bit. Um, and then throughout this season, I feel like the double seal has, has really become a part of my game. And uh, me and Schwartz, he worked on it quite a bit uh, the previous summer. Um, and I feel like it's it's gotten a lot better than where it was. The uh, the VH uh, reverse VH uh, that uh, challenge that that you went through with uh, with Dustin and implementing that in your game. What was it that that you found so challenging? It was just a, a movement that I'd never done before. I just always was a one knee down guy on my posts. I just thought that was the way that it needed to be played, and that was it. I just thought this is the way, the best way that there is. And I don't want to try any other way. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, can be a pretty stubborn guy sometimes, but um, no, I think just that whole aspect of my body going into a different way and honestly, probably just having to adapt with my body and learn that kind of movement. I mean, people know, I mean, as a goalie, like it can be pretty stressful on your joints and on your body, um, especially in the RVH. Like I had an injury last, last season uh, in the RVH. So, it can it can be pretty stressful on your body, but um, I think that was probably the biggest challenge was just getting over my stubbornness and just willing being open to trying things. And um, I mean, it's become a, a pretty big staple of my game. Do you remember when you first used it in a game that that stage that uh, area, not the specific game, but uh, that time period where you went, yeah, this this I, I've got confidence to do it. I would say my first year in the dub, I, it was when I started mm-hmm. to use it. I wasn't, I still wasn't great at it. Like I wasn't great at, I would say from an RVH to my feet kind of guy or RVH to the middle. Um, but I was using it more on my posts from goal line attacks, um, net, uh, net drives, um, wrap rounds. Like I was always in my RVH. And then I got to the point where in Everett Cliffy, like, and Shorty knows too that, um, I was sitting in it for too long and I would get burned on the back door or the guys would be on the wall and I'd be sitting in it, sitting in the RVH at the wrong times, in the wrong spots. I'd say a guy's coming down the wall. He's a righty. So he just needs to sling it across his body to the guy in the back door. And I'm chilling in my RVH, <laughs> not knowing there's a guy on the back door and I'm not, I'm not getting there. So, um, but learning when and where to use it has been, um, a learning process for me at that age. Uh, to use the RVH and I mean I think now um, obviously at, at this level I still get burned because you're playing with the best guys in the world yeah. but um, it happens yeah <laughs> but um, no I feel like it, it's gotten um, it's come a long way since when I was uh, 15 16. So we have an audience of goalie coaches and uh, one of the questions that's been brought up a few different occasions to the presenters has been when a goalie coach has this knowledge but maybe the goalie, the athlete, uh, isn't as receptive. Now, that's not saying what was going on between you and Dustin, but it's interesting that relationship and trying to break through the uh, the RVH. Was it Dustin just staying with it, or was it you finally coming around to it, or where was that meeting of the minds on, on this particular save sequence? I think it's just 
Um, the, you guys the, must have butted heads a little bit. For sure. Like, I mean, you know, Schwartzy too. Like he was probably getting <laughs> on me about it, but um, I think it's just the trust that you have in a guy where, I mean, like I've known Schwartzy now for eight years. So um, I think it's just knowing that you have the right people with you, that you trust them. Um, I mean, for me, I'm lucky that I have a great support system of people that I trust uh, that I've gone through a lot with over the years. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is that you're with someone that you trust. And, and not only that, but I mean, that other people as well trust so that you, that trust uh, increases. What's your optimal amount of time that you want to spend in a week with, uh, with Kim or, or whoever you're, you're playing with uh, as a goalie coach? Um, like during the season or like yeah. an off season? Sorry, during the season, yeah. During the season, I mean, it can be tough because we don't get a ton of practice time. Let's say we're playing four games that week. We'll play, let's say we play maybe a Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, and then we maybe play a, a Friday, Sunday. Um, I mean, we usually try to get out. Like I, I morning skate pretty much every game before every game that I'm starting, um, except on a back-to-back. And that's usually just with Kim. We'll go through a couple drills for maybe 10 minutes and then I get off. Um, but I, I would say we probably get out. We do something every every practice day, but it might not be for 20 to 30 minutes. It may only be 5 to 10 minutes, depending on what our coach uh, wants us to do, um, how much time we have, whether we're on the road. Uh, there's all these different variables that come, come into place or it can make things a little bit more difficult. But we always try to find, even if it's not a lot of time, we always try to find some sort of chunk of time where we can get out on our own and work on a couple of things or just uh, do a little bit of maintenance. Do you know what you guys are going to work on uh, before you go on the ice, or is it uh, as you go when you get on the ice? No, we, we talk about what we're, we're yeah. going to go out and, and do there. So Dilly usually comes and grabs me before we go out on the ice, and uh, we just kind of do a quick rundown of, what we're talking about and what what the game plan is for whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes. How long did it take you to trust Kim? Um, I would, I would say like, I mean, Kim's a very respectful or respectable goalie coach. He's been in the game for a long time. Um, I would say probably my, after my first dev camp, um, Cause that, that was my first time around Kim. Um, I didn't, hadn't really met him before. I don't think he was at the draft. Um, so that was the first time that I met him and just talking with other people that I trust as well with Schwartzy and, um, and Cliffy, um, and hearing nothing but good things. And, and I think for me, and, and we had Brady Robinson as well as our development guy, um, who I know a little bit prior from hockey Canada things, but, um, I think for me, I had different learning experiences uh, growing up through juniors with, I had the, the POE uh, hockey Canada goalie camps. And I remember my first one was in Toronto and I think I was 16 and there were so many goalie coaches on the ice. Like there was probably more goalie coaches than goalies. <laughs> I, I remember getting all these different opinions and, and I was like every each, each station I would go to, it'd be a different, different guy, a different opinion. And I was like, Oh man, like, what do I, what do I do here? I don't know if this works for me. I don't know. Like this kind of works for me, but you don't like it. I don't know. And then the next year it was kind of a similar thing up until my last year when Schwartzy and Lyle ran it and Freddie, um, I would say that was probably the best one. But um, remember the next year with Brady, uh, I remember him saying like, just go out there, like play your game, but like, just be open like to people. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do things that everyone's telling you, but don't be afraid to try things that maybe you say at first, you know what, this isn't going to be for me. Like I already know it's not going to work, but just be open to other people's insights and opinions and, and just try things. And I going into my second camp there at that hockey Canada camp, um, I had a lot better experience because I was just being open. I was trying different things and I feel like it came away, came away from that camp, a better goalie and, and then my first dev camp with, with Kim, um, we started working on um, some post play, uh, opening some windows behind the net, um, and then some puck handling. 
of getting my body around like Mike Smith does. He does that little eagle turn around the puck to kind of change around shorts you would know. But um, just trying different things and being open to it. And and I mean, with Kim, like there's a couple things that at first, like the double seal, I was like, the double seal, man, like that's, I know that's Bob's best, like one of his best attributes on his post is his double seal. We call it the Bob because he's probably the best at it. But um, at first I was like, I don't know if my body's, can do that like i don't know it's pretty uncomfortable i'm like screw this i don't want to do this and we kind of just stuck to it and i kept trying it and trying it and now it's become a part of my game that i, I really like and i'm glad that uh he brought it up and and suggested the idea of trying to double steal uh so did he uh did you butt heads over that too like was that one i'm curious about that because that's early on in the relationship yeah, I mean, that was before my, I believe, my first year. That was before my first year pro, I believe. So, um, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, like, I think from those other experiences that where I had, like, at Hockey Canada, like I was saying, just being open to different opinions and things, like, that's the that's the mindset that I've kind of had going forward is, I, I mean, just to be a respectful, respectful guy of other people's opinions and, and thoughts, but... Um, I think when you're more open to, to all these different things and you're more willing to try that you're not only going to better yourself. Um, cause I mean, you get all these different things that maybe might not work for you or maybe it, it does, maybe it improves your game a ton. Like you never know. And I mean, that's the same thing with, with pretty much everything off ice training, nutrition, whatever it may be. Like, I think just be as open as you can to so many different things because there's a ton of, there's a ton of people out there that, um, that are really smart. And I mean, at the same time, you have to know like what works for you and what doesn't, but I I still think that you need to try, try things. What about you taking something to Dustin or Kim? Is there an example of of that that you wanted to implement in in your game? Um, I need to think about that for a second. Um, where you've seen somebody else do. I do know one that um, actually Schwartz you talked about with me is maybe trying a bit of a drift off the rush. I mean, sometimes you'll watch Pricer in a game and like he sometimes, let's say, a, I don't know, a one-on-two or uh, maybe a two-on-two where he's a little bit more aggressive off the rush. He's maybe in the white ice a little bit more, but he starts to bring that little bit of a, a drift back into his crease where he's gaining a little bit of momentum in case there is maybe a cross-ice feed. Um, to another player and that's something that I've tried but it's just it's just not for me like it's something that I tried and I was willing I was open to it but it's just something that I I, doesn't really work for me do you have something that you fall back on uh, when things aren't going your way like what's your approach then yeah I mean we all have those nights where we're not tracking the puck well or we're not able to find pucks but um I think for me, like I just try and keep things as basic as possible when it's game time. Like I do all my maintenance and all my work, focus on all the details and practice. And like, that's in practice, my mind's going, just keep, it's just going all the time. But in game, it's, it's gotta be just as mellow as can be where I don't want to be second guessing myself or anything like that. But, um, I've for sure I've had times I had a Rocky road this year and in October, I go home to, to Edmonton to play my first game in front of my family and get yanked after five goals or four goals, whatever it is. So, and I kind of went on a tough stretch there, but the biggest thing for me was just to bring things back to basics and just trust my game and, and trust myself that all the work that I've done to this point has gotten me, gotten me to where I am and that you belong in this league and that you can play and just trust your game. Did your work with Kim, uh, stay pretty consistent through that stretch or did you do more or maybe even less? Yeah, we just, we stayed the same. Like we didn't change anything up and that was probably the biggest thing. And I'm, I'm really lucky that Kim and, and even our head coach AV uh, were really open to the time with talking with me and making sure that I was okay. And um, I mean, AV made, made sure he, he let me know that they have faith in me. And, and that was pretty, pretty cool for him to, have a conversation with him about, um, about that and, and let me know. Um, but 
yeah, I think just going back to the basics and just trusting your game. And during that time, that's what we did. We didn't try to overcomplicate things. Like I was getting burnt on a couple of plays that I was overthinking things. And I mean, there were easy fixes. And so we didn't, we didn't go back to the drawing board and start over again. We just went back to the basics. How has your routine changed uh, from Everett to now being in the National Hockey League? Your pregame routine, your lead up to your game day routine. Like I'm living on my own, so that's that's changed a lot. Like my bill at Parker and Everett was the best bill at ever. He's uh, came out to my first game with my family, and he pretty much did everything for me. So <laughs> um, coming pro my first year, I, I was almost on my own. Like I didn't know what to do. I uh, moved into a place with another guy in Allentown for uh, when I was in the minors to start there. And we, I didn't know how to do the electric, whatever electric bill. Like there's like a, now I have like the automated or whatever it yeah. is like every month where it automatically takes it out of your account. But I didn't have that set up for the first month. So we had no power for like a weekend five <laughs> and uh, all the food in the fridge and the freezer went bad. So we could throw all the food out and then we had games. So I remember me and it was, I was with Connor Bunneman. So I remember me and Bunny had to order out for like five days in a row. And, um, but all those little things like doing laundry, making sure that I think for me, it's just been time management. It's been a huge aspect of my life where, I mean, now we go to the rink in the mornings for, I get there around 9.30 and we skate at 11.30 and I'm there till maybe 2, 2.30 and the rest of the day, like I have things to do, whether it's go to the grocery store, do laundry, <laughs> make dinner, like grown up things now, or instead of having my billet, do all my laundry or cook all three of my meals. Like it's, it was a huge wake up call for me uh, when I first jumped up to pro. And I think that was the biggest adjustment for me was just adjusting to being on my own and having to fend for myself. With this audience of goalie coaches, is there something that you can pass along uh, that, that maybe they should think about or what you would like or advice to goalie coaches working with a young goaltender? Um, I know it's a broad I mean, question, I, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think just, you got to keep things fun. Um, and just be as open to opinions as you can. Like, I mean, I don't know how it is as a goalie coach towards you would know better, but I mean, like he was saying earlier to you, um, about how he's had guys take him under his wing. I mean, I'm sure there's guys on here that have had the same thing happen. And I think just being open to other opinions and hearing guys out and even, even the athletes hearing what they have to say and just hearing all different aspects of, of the game. Uh, do you like to be coached during the game, whether it be uh, in a TV timeout or between periods or is whether a goalie coach comes by and talks to you or do you like to be left alone? I just like to be left alone. Mm -hmm. That's kind of during the game is, I don't like to think about too much at all. For the game, we'll have a quick little team pre-scout, and me and Dill may go over a little bit of not a lot. But I don't want to clutter my brain with any excess information that I don't need. Because um, for me, when I go out and play, like I don't like to really think about too much. But obviously, going into games against some guys, like you know, some tendencies. Like playing Wash, you know that they're feeding Ovi the one team most of the time, or Carlson at the top. Um, so like different, different things like that. Uh, post game, uh, how, uh, soon after a game, do you want to talk to your goalie coach? Um, so me and Dilly have a thing where after the game, I'll get my video and then the next day, like I'll go over it. And then the next day, uh, we'll talk about it. So, uh, I'll go over the video usually the, the night of, or the night after the game. And then when I get to the rink in the morning, we'll, we'll go over it. Uh, proudest part of your game thing that uh, that you've really worked hard on to uh, to implement and uh, and has has really worked out I would say my skating I think my skating and my pole play has gotten has improved a ton since when I first started junior um, till now I'm my second year pro I think my post play I would say my post play out of my skating has become a lot better uh, skating's not very sexy. You know that it's like trying to work on it. And it's, I mean, and I say that as a joke because it's, it's challenging to, to work on something that's not in there making saves. Uh, did that 
come from Schwartzy or, or Clifford or somebody, or was that something that you worked on, wanted to work on? I think it's come from everybody that I've uh, crossed path with from Schwartzy, from Clippy, from Dilly, from Brady, um, from everyone that I've worked with. It's something that from a young age, uh, when John Steven, John Stevenson was my first goalie coach, um, it's something that everyone has kind of helped out and I've taken different things from, from each guy and, um, Awesome. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, we'll let you uh, get back to preparing uh, and getting ready for uh, working with Kim. Woody, can we bring in Dustin again, just briefly here at uh, the crossover? Uh, just before we let Carter go, uh, quick reaction, Dustin, to you on the on the RVH and, and that uh, dialogue that, that you guys worked through. I mean, I first off, Carter, I appreciate you coming on. I think there's so many takeaways for all of the goalie coaches that are in attendance. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, Carter's such a good student of the game, um, and that started from such a young age. Uh, just he's so the open-minded approach to things. We've had lots of things where we've you know butted heads, but it's a compromise. It's not you know argumentative type thing. There's a few things where we might have to push a little harder than you would like, but that's part of the relationship part. And I think, uh, you know, the RVH stuff that we started to develop and work into, um, I'd say for myself as a coach, you start to understand how things, you know, can be used and where they're effective. And from there, you start to chime in with the athlete and start to get a sense of, you know, how can you relay that message to the, to the athlete to start to build these things into their game. And I think Dan said it in his, uh, presentation and I think he might have referenced Bill Ranford and he said you know we'll do it your way until it doesn't work and then we'll do it my way and I think there's been a few of those moments between Carter and I but um, overall I think our relationship uh, on the ice has been really good and it's just built into you know a relationship off the ice as well. We look forward to seeing you back on the ice and the return to play and the training camp on July 10th. I uh, really appreciate this uh, from the Western Hockey League, Hockey Canada and Ingle. Uh, great job. If you don't watch the Philadelphia Flyers and Carter Hart a little differently after that conversation, uh, I'd say that, um, boy, you uh, you weren't listening close enough because a uh, really engaging conversation, really cool kid, and uh, a really uh, big part of the future with the Philadelphia Flyers. And just, uh, again, part of the content that uh, is up on Ingle Mag and uh, Ingle Premium members, right, to Hutch? Absolutely. It's interesting that, Carter Hart is our, our interview this week because um, I was reflecting on that interview you did with him and uh, it got me thinking about um, the importance of being able to work with a number of coaches through your career. And so that's the parents article that we have this weekend talking about the influence of uh, the different coaches that your kids will have and why I think, and not so much just me, but uh, a guy like Carter Hart thinks that exposing yourself to, uh, to multiple coaches is going to be helpful in your career and Thatcher Demko as well. And he's an interesting story because he was playing uh, high-level hockey as a kid and traveling around North America to do so. And his father would book him uh, coaches to work with in each uh, in each city as he was going into them. So another guy that we uh, that we spoke to for the article, I mean, spoke to it was out of episode three, way back in episode three, almost seventy-five, well, exactly seventy-five episodes ago. Um, and and that was one of my favorite interviews that we've had um, in the whole series. So. Uh, parents, great thing to to uh, to have a, a listen to, and uh, and coaches as well. And um, got a few other things. Freddie Anderson with uh, the next in his pro reads uh, sequence for us. And uh, always great to hear from Freddie. He was one of the first guys to sit sit down with Woody and and uh, for our pro read segment. Uh, we got another one with Adam Francilia, who's the off ice guru, and he's uh, he's got an exercise for our members as well. And I'm going to be spending some time with him on Friday, so we'll come out of there with. Uh, a bunch more work as well uh, for our premium members. And then we've also started a new series out of the same WHL symposium where you just heard Carter Hart. And, uh, and that's a series with Mike Valley, the former Dallas stars goaltending coach who had a very engaging uh, presentation awesome. at the symposium. Yeah. On the, on the 10 lessons from his career that he could share with people and great presenter. Um, so if you're a premium member, hop over there and you can see the first of the 10 lessons uh, today. That Mike Valley presentation was, uh, it was, it was, spectacular it covered so many angles in the position yeah love mike and just going to say one of the first guys to 
to reach out to us when we got started with InGoal and, and sort of not so much reach out, but welcome us into the fold and uh, take us out on the ice and and just uh, was always very supportive of everything we were doing here for the goaltending community. And so great to be able to bring Mike uh, to our audience and share him with them. Yeah, and I love that uh, Mike's approach is so much more than just, you know, technical goaltending. I mean, it really is holistic, um, you know, off the ice as well and, and ability to build relationships and encouraging creativity and not putting guys in a box and not trying to make them all the same and just a lot of different lessons, personalities. Part two next week, look for that one, talking about all the coaches he's worked with. Um, including Mark Crawford. I think that the title of that little subsection is uh, there's winning and there's misery. Um, so that was a fun little one he walked us through. So just a lot of different things. And uh, like I said, it was, Val's was so good at that um, symposium that, and we had a little extra time because he was actually one of our first presenters and we started early. And so we used that time to let him run a little long and then do a and a ended up being like, almost 100 minutes, almost an hour 40. So rather than throw up 140 minutes and, and asking everyone to sit through it, we're going to split it up and let you guys enjoy it, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time over the next few weeks, I guess next few months. So I uh, enjoy that. We've got lots more coming in terms of technical articles as well. Uh, we will take a look, as I said, at some of these gear changes you've seen around the league. Do have some quotes from, from guys like Saros and some fresh images of UC and his new gear. Uh, with the National Predators, some thoughts from some of those guys. And yeah, just same old, same old. We're just going to keep piling up that content um, so that our our audience can keep getting better, making mixing the odd save, as my beer league team often tells me. Something they suggest I do and evidently don't. And out of a valley, we peak again with another episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast where our heart is definitely in it. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again as we continue towards phase four of the National Hockey League and the return to play. This in the weird, wild, bizarre, but so exciting summer of 2020.